Okay, hello everybody and welcome to Investing with IBD sponsored by MarketSmith. Today is September 30th, 2020. I'm your host, Arusha Pierce, and with me today, returning back to the show, is the one, the only, Scott St. Clair. Scott is a senior product coach for MarketSmith. Thanks for being back, Scott. Thank you, buddy. Nice to be here. Nice to be wanted on the show. <laughs> <laughs> on today's podcast, we are going to talk about this crazy current market. We're going to talk about the concept of being flexible, and then we will end the episode with three current stocks. So let's get right into the current market. The market is in a correction. Uh, we put it in correction, I think it was last Wednesday. We, we put it back into a correction, uh, but it's been choppy. It hasn't necessarily felt uh, like a correction or, or like a really strong correction, I guess, because the leading stocks are kind of hanging in there. They're trying to build uh, the right-hand sides of bases. Um, Scott, what are your thoughts on this market? Yeah, so it's you had a little sharp break on the, on the indexes, especially the NASDAQ. And now it's trying to recover and we're just kind of in, um, it's like a, you're, you're in this, the weird spot right here where it could go either way. And so it's like, you know, it's like having one foot in, in, in uh, one country and one foot in the other. So, you know, I, the market could, we almost had a fall through day today. That was highly, yeah. highly possible. And then it got hit near the end. I just think there's probably going to be a lot of uh, volatility and so you just want to be flexible, which we'll talk about later. And if we get a fall today, we'll also talk about later why you want to go with it, especially if you're on the sidelines completely. If you have some of your favorite stocks, you're 30% invested or something like that, you know, you can just sit back and try to allow them to work. But we're, we're, we're right in that spot where, you know, it could either it could, they could catch it and we could have another leg up. Or if we fail off that 50 day, then, you know, then you could be looking at another leg down. Yeah, let's, I, I think, you know, we, we have some time here to talk about the, the current market. So um, we, we could go through kind of the concept of the fall through. And, and so th there, there are a couple of different ways, in my opinion, to interpret this. Uh, you, you, could, uh, you could use the, the all-time low uh, of this downtrend, which is over here. And... Uh, and so, so there are a few ways you could use that and, and then start counting from the first blue up day, which is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So today, if we had a falter, it would have been a seventh day falter. Now, I know the, the market team at IBD, they, they, they were looking at the, the day before as a pink rally day where and the concept of that is the market sold off a lot during that day. It was looking really bad. And then it comes all the way back up. And uh, right and, and closes right at the top of the range. It's still a down day, but you had that kind of shakeout. And so you could use that as your first official count. Uh, and so that would be a day number eight. I, it, we've gone far enough that it doesn't really matter, but let's first go over, I think, the, the, the larger concept of fall through days, especially for those who, who are new to, to this uh, program or to our strategy. Uh, Scott, why don't you just you know give, give a little bit of a larger concept of why we're looking for a fall today uh, to let us know when it's time to move more into the market. Yeah, so the fall today concept is designed just to give you that signal that the market is in uh, a new uptrend. Does that mean it has to work? Of course not, which is why we have rules for 
the uptrend failing and rules for protecting ourselves on our capital if we were to um, you know, buy individual stocks. But it, it's just done such a great job throughout history of capturing every big move. And there'll be some false positives once in a while. It's like everything. You can't get, get uh, worn out by it. You know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And, and I will talk about it later when we talk about the lesson. You can sort of get in this mindset, well, this one's not going to work. And then I don't know why the market knows that, you know, you, you don't believe it's going to work. And that's the one that works. So I think you just want to put on some exposure regardless of how you feel. Because if it's a really good follow through day, you're going to feel terrible. It's just like the last one we had in, yeah. in late March, early April. Things are going to look bleak and it will be hard to you know, take the signal. That's why it's such a good signal because it's really just based on the facts. But so if you're new, I would say just read the big picture. They'll guide you. Uh, the guys on the team are, are looking for that follow through every, every day. Arusha said you guys discussed it 15 minutes before the bell today. So, you know, learn, just follow the big picture, but you also want to learn it on your own. So as you're following the big picture, you'll, you'll start to understand why they've made changes to the market and then go back and study history. And we're going to have a, a lesson later where you've seen previous follow through days. And so in 1998, the one we'll talk about later uh, or 2009, you know, these are all really important ones, but there's been others along the way that you can study and, and get a really good feel for how it works. Yeah, so, so, um, so kind of the, the larger concept is you're, you're in a downtrend, and we don't know how long that downtrend is, but we're looking for uh, some kind of rally, the, the market uh, is going to attempt to rally. And so whenever we put it into a correction, uh, usually what we're going to do is we're going to look for an up day and we're not buying on that day, but we just start counting on, on that day saying, okay, this is an attempted rally. And, and you're just counting uh, a number of days because on, on the kind of the bounce and we don't necessarily buy at that point, but once you get four days and on into that kind of rally, if you have a really strong up day uh, and it's usually 1.25% and on higher volume than the day before, that's when we're going to change the, the outlook from a correction back to an uptrend. Uh, and, and we keep the threshold pretty low because we don't want to miss the next rally. Uh, but a lot of times the big time fall through days, uh, it's no brainer. So for instance, uh, if you go back to after the, when we had the pandemic sell off uh, and April 6th, so when you're back, if you're listening to your car, uh, go back to your computer, look on April 6th for the NASDAQ. That was the follow through day that uh, let us know or gave us an indication that this market might be ready to rally at that point. And, and so that's when the IBD markets team changed it back to uh, a market and uptrend. The, the, on that day, the market was up 7.33%. I mean, that was one of the most powerful fall yeah, days that I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, even then though, I was scared out of my mind to buy something at that point. But because one of the rules is when you, if you're going to get a fall day, you look for something to buy on that day. I put some money to work and I knowing, and I assumed that it was definitely going to fail. I was like hundred percent convinced it was going to fail. Uh, but the reason you put some money to work is because you get that feedback and all of a sudden after a week or so, I was like, wait, you know, my stock has, that I bought 
I can't remember, it might've been Dexcom or something. It was like, you know, it's, it's, it's starting to work a little bit. It's not selling off. And so that gave me the confidence to go and buy another one. And then I slowly move more money in. And then after this kind of process over the next month, I was maybe 50, 60% invested and slowly moving more and more into the market. So it, it's, we're not trying to get the bottom, but we're, we're trying to capture the meat of the move. And this one worked insanely well. Uh, even though I was 100% convinced that there was no way this signal was going to work, it was going to come and test the bottom. Yeah, and you can look in that sell-off that we had earlier this year. There was a, a 5% day on the NASDAQ and then two straight days down. And yeah. then there was a 9.35% day. And you would think, gosh, that's got to be the bottom. And the very next day, the NASDAQ was down uh, 13%. So that's why we use the, the, the rule is four days long based on, you know, Bill's studying history. You want to give the, the market a little bit of room to breathe to kind of find uh, the potential bottom versus trying to guess where it's going to stop going down. Yeah, that, that, that's a really great point because you're trying to move. We're just trying to move some of the noise and that's going to save you a lot of pain. And if you're trying to get in too early, imagine you got in at uh, a couple of day, days that Scott highlighted here, um, the, the one on 310, which was up 4.95%. Uh, you would have gotten crushed on that day uh, and the 9.35%, uh, which was the first day uh, uh, that we would have started counting. You would have been, you know, sold off undercutting that, resuming the downtrend there. And so when the falter day finally came around, you're too shell-shocked, you've lost too much money, that there's no way you're going to try that one. Mm -hmm. um, and so we do everything we can to try to remove as much noise as possible. You're still going to get some noise, uh, but, uh, but you're, you're saving not only your principal, but your mental capital too. And, and, and that's I think, by far the most important thing, that psychology. Uh, mm -hmm. It's so fragile. It's a gradual process, like you mentioned, Arusha. We got the follow today, and you said, I think I bought a stock, and I was, you know, at one point, maybe a day or two later, you're 30% invested. So you don't want to go, you know, oh, well, we've had a fall today. Let's go 100% invested because it might not work. So you just do the math. If you're 30% invested and it doesn't work, and you lose 5% uh, on you know, the stocks you bought or the stock you bought, although I, I wouldn't put 30% in one stock on a fall today. Let's say you bought three stocks and you lost 5% on all three, you lose 1.5% on your whole portfolio and you're still in the game. And you can do that a number of times until you catch that wave if you can you know, save that mental capital that you talked about. Because it's hard, you know, lose, 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 boom, catch a big wave, which is what we're trying to do. Yeah. And, and, and it's also kind of funny uh, when we had that initial sell-off in the pandemic on March 4th, we, that would almost was a day four follow through day, which we almost put the market back into an uptrend on, on that day, but we didn't have the volume. And so like, okay, I guess we, we have to wait a little bit longer uh, it could have been the you, next day. Even if you did, sorry, Rishi, even yeah. if you did, let's just pretend that was a follow through oh, day right. and you're out there and you put money to work, 10% invested, and you probably got stopped within a day or two. So, you know, you didn't lose that much, you're you right. know, and then yeah. you're, you're ready for the next one. Um, that's, that's the key to, to being flexible to the signal of the market and being willing to, to be wrong. Cause it, this came, it's like baseball. I, I, I equate, 
uh, investing a lot to baseball because, you know, I live in Orange County and Mike Trout's the best baseball player in the world. And he's right about uh, 40% of the time. He, he bats roughly 300 and gets on base another 100 basis points. So he, he gets it right 40% of the time, which means he gets it wrong 60% of the time. And he's, he's going to the Baseball Hall of Fame. So same thing with investing. You know, if you can get it right 40% of the time, but when you're right, you really want to capture, you know, you can get the whole move, but you want to capture a lot of that move. Um, and in our system, and we'll talk about stocks later, but the, the stocks that, that we identify with our system, man, if you catch the market right, you know, the market go up 20% and you can have some stocks go up 30, 40, 60%. Uh, this move was very unusual, I'll have to admit, and some yeah. of them doubled, of course. But it, even if it was a normal environment and you capture 30 40% in a move like that, it's well worth, uh, you know, staying the course. Yeah, and, and what, one last thing here about falter days and corrections. In, in 2008, when we had that, that you know, brutal sell-off there, uh, January of 2009, we had a falter day that failed. February 2009 had a falter day that failed. And then the March one actually worked, right? So you take every signal seriously, you put a little bit of money to work. And if you get stopped out, you're only getting stopped out, like Scott said, with just a small amount of money. But it's incredibly important whenever you get one of these signals, just to put a little bit of money uh, to, to work uh, because you don't want to get caught flat foot footed. This rally, if any, a rally is a great example of don't get caught flat-footed. Don't uh, wait for a pullback because that, that pullback sometimes going to take. Well, we're going to talk a, about a the waiting yeah. for the pullback because that's what I did. And when we talk about the the lesson is is the market was strong and I just kept waiting for a pullback that never came. Exactly. Yeah. So so we'll talk about that in the second segment. But to end this segment, remember the market is in a correction right now. So you want to make sure your stocks are still acting healthy. Now, some stocks are starting to build the right-hand sides of bases. So we might have a chance to get back into an uptrend in the near future. But be disciplined. Uh, if you're putting some money to work, just uh, you know, make sure you're managing that risk. But let's take that quick break. When we return, we are going to talk about the concept of being flexible, being open-minded. And then we're going to talk about a tremendous lockout rally that Scott unfortunately felt the pain in. We'll be back. I'm here with Scott St. Clair, and Scott is one of the senior product coaches at Margaret Smith. Now, Scott, we've both been doing this for a long time, and we know that investment research takes a lot of time. There's so many factors that you want to look into to try to figure out that whether this is a stock to buy or not. Quarterly earnings, huge sales growth. Hey, are institutions buying it? The list goes on and on. Yeah, it's a common question. I hear it all the time. I don't have time to, to do this work. So you don't have to spend that much time. If you have a tool like Marcus Smith, we do a lot of that work for you. Right there on the chart, earnings, sales, group strength, institutional sponsorship, like you just mentioned. Right. It's all there in the chart. So it allows you to make a decision much easier. Yeah, and the beauty is that we have in-house analysts that go through the SEC filings. They pull out those numbers, and they put it right on the markets make chart. And all you have to do is analyze them. Yeah, I couldn't imagine having to go to the SEC website and look at the income statement, et cetera. That sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, and, and, and that would take hours and hours. And in that time, you can go through hundreds of stocks and find the best ones. So don't miss out on a big winner because you don't 
don't have enough time to research it. Go to investors.com slash URLTK for more information. Scott St. Clair is our guest on Investing with IBD, sponsored by Marketsmith. Okay, Scott, let's get into the concept of being flexible. And, and you know what, Scott? I, I forgot to mention this in the, the first segment, for, but I am wearing, I, I don't know if you can see this. Let me look at the, the camera here. I'm wearing the original Marketsmith shirt. I mean, now you've been here for 10 years, right? I I, had, I'm almost here for 11 I had years. one of those and I, I went to look for it and I must have given it to the Goodwill or something. <laughs> I actually, for my shirt, I lost, right when they gave it, that like right when it started working here and I lost it for 10 and a half years and I just found <laughs> it a few it. months ago. I still have my Marcus Smith sweatshirt though. And so I, oh, I, I, I used to wear that a, every day. I think that's still in the office. Yeah, it's in I'm the office. I think it's like somebody it has stolen it oh, yeah. and haven't been in the office. In I don't know if the office is still there. <laughs> is it still uh, there? Let's hope. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into this concept of uh, being flexible. And first I know Scott, you, you like doing yoga. So I'm sure your flexibility has gotten good there, but you also want to be open-minded in the market because one thing is with the market and especially just with our, with our mind works, at least my mind, when it does work, um, it only takes like a week of, of a trend, either a, 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 a decent downtrend or a, a, a uptrend for me to just start thinking. So if, if you also know how to sell off when you go into a correction, it takes my, in my mind all of a sudden, it, it becomes really hard to imagine that we're ever going to pull out of this downtrend, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and it just takes, it, it takes just a short amount of time. Even if I'm on the sidelines, it, it is so hard to imagine that we could, a, a strong uptrend could be around the corner. And so this concept of, of being flexible and having rules to slowly pull you in, and we were talking about that in the, the first segment, it's so important because for most people, I, I don't think that you just, just the, the psychology is going to allow you to do that. That's why you kind of have rules to bring yourself back to it. Now, uh, you have a, a really good story about uh, 1998 on how you uh, had to learn this uh, lesson the hard way, right? Yeah, and it's very similar to this rally that we've had. You know, you call it lockout rally. And we had a fall today in, I think it was October 14th of 1998. And I imagine you'll pull that up. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to pull up uh, 1998 here on, on the, the markets make sure and I'll go to the end end of 98 so we can see it. Um, all right. Okay, so here's 1998. This is the NASDAQ. Yeah. So and, we had a... Uh, nasty sell-off and then it tried to rally and, and and here's a great example somewhere in there in in that september period there's a follow-through day that didn't work and then it yeah. came back down yeah and an undercut yeah and i that, just and stocks were getting hit hard and, and you have to remember the market had made a big move i started in the business in 1995 mm -hmm. so um we had a bear market in 1994 a very small mini one but i hadn't seen pretty much nothing but up, you know, from 95 to this point. And even, you know, in 90, I can't remember the year it was, I believe it was in late 96 when Greenspan, you know, made the speech about irrational Rational exuberance, right? Yep. So, yeah. you know, the market had made a big move then. 
And so you start to think, okay, finally, this is the bear market that, you know, yeah, and you can see I'd rather be lucky than good. I, I literally opened my first account in March 95. Look at that. That's where I opened my first personal account. That's amazing. Uh, not because I, I thought the market was going to go on this big run, but it was the first time I ever had any money. That's awesome. <laughs> so I finally had some money saved and I put, put, uh, put it into the market, you know, $3,000 that I had saved. And so um, I had pretty much just seen straight up, you know, barring some, you know, mini corrections along the way. Mm -hmm. So in 1998, I thought, well, this is, this is a bear market. And so I kind of tuned out and then you had a follow through day on October 14th. And like the previous, you know, weeks before, I just thought, well, this one will fail, right? It's kind of like, yeah. does that ring a bell for yeah. early this year, right? Yeah. I, I just thought, well, this is going to fail. Yep. And so I didn't do anything. And then you could see it just kind of grinded higher and higher and higher. And I can't remember and I'm when. Sure, I'm sure, Scott, here, when, when, when like after a week, when it, it, it started moving up towards the 50-day, you probably assumed, okay, it's going to hit the 50-day, have resistance, it'll pull back, might test the lows, you know, and, and uh, I'll have plenty of time to get back. Yeah, you can see on October 20th, it tried to go above the 50-day yeah. and reversed really hard, and a yeah. big volume day. Mm -hmm. And so you get these tiny little signals that, oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm right. You know, it's going to stop right here. And then it went up for three or four days. You had a little reversal day. And I don't think it was until about um, November where it finally just kind of clicked for me that, because right there, I probably thought the market was going to go down. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of clicked that, I just don't think this is going down. Yeah. No, I, I've, and the thing is, the, the, the story really is besides the fact that, um, you, you know, you want to be flexible and ready on the follow through day if it happens is on the follow through day, uh, the, probably the best stock, you know, besides AOL on 1014 broke out and that was Schwab. So on October 14th, 1998, Schwab broke out and out of that cup with handle. Yeah. And me and you both know a guy that was buying Schwab that day, right? Yeah. <laughs> a guy named Bill O'Neill. <laughs> yeah. And, um, Who was the founder of Messages of Daily. Yeah. And, I was not doing any buying, right? And Schwab turned out to be the second best stock besides probably AOL in that rally. And so I never owned Schwab because it took me, by the time I figured it out, you can see um, in you know late November, early December, I've kind of missed you know a, a good entry. Yeah. And, and that can make all the difference uh, because those stocks like uh, eBay broke out on the 26th of October, um, this, this stock called AboveNet, which doesn't exist anymore, broke out on October 26th as well. Broadcom, which was a huge winner, huge winner, broke out November 9th. Actually, and, Broadcom and, is and a then, GO now, right? Yeah, but it, it merged with, uh, oh, okay, I don't okay. think it would uh, show that price there because of the merger. And then Knight Capital was another huge winner that broke out in December of that year. Knight Capital was... Uh, the high frequency trader of back then that was who you would send your orders to you know they they were processing all these orders so you miss a lot of the really good ones and so luckily 1998 was a very good year uh, with other names to buy but but um, AOL broke out on the 22nd of October 
and Schwab broke out on the fall today. And I never had any, you know, substantial profits from those two names in that year um, because the best ones just don't look back. They just go and go and go. The institutions know these are the ones that they want to own. So when the market's correcting, th this is the work you want to do is find the stocks that really don't want to go down, right? They're the ones that are swimming against the tide. Maybe they're going down, but they're going down less than the market. Um, or they're going down in line with the market, but the normal growth stocks that we buy, they should go down more than the market. So if I have a stock that's going down in line with the market, and it's really a big kind of high, high, uh, high growth stock, I, to me, that's a stock that's acting just fine. Because uh, you know, if you study the history, Bill will say they can go down one and a half to two and a half times the market. And so uh, you really wanna be looking for those. That was the main lesson is, is be flexible. I thought it was a big bear market and I could kind of made my mind up. And uh, it took me too long to change my mind and it cost me a lot of points that year. I think, you know, I, I, I know Bill made hundreds and hundreds of percent that year. And, and I know I didn't make hundreds and hundreds of percent that year. And, and those two stocks, you know, make all the, can make the big difference between making 50% and making 250% or something that, you know, could really change uh, your account for the, for the good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it all comes down to the stock selection, the concentration that, 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 that's kind of the, the secret uh, why Bill O'Neill did so well in those, when those markets are right, you know, and then when, when the, the markets weren't there, he wouldn't push it. He would be disciplined, wait, but still always be looking at the markets every day. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the things that I learned that's, uh, that kind of surprised me when I first came on board was that uh, Scott O'Neill said um, that his dad would rarely get completely out of the market. Mm -hmm. He always had that one stock that he felt was the leader. If the market got really bad, it's going to push you out of that stock. But I, that surprised me. I can, I can still see myself sitting at my desk at Marcus Smith and Scott would do these huddles when he was the president of Marcus Smith and he would talk shop. It was really cool. And I can vividly remember him saying that. And I was, I was like, well, wait, wait a second, time out. Now I was new. I didn't have the heart to ask <laughs> Scott a question at that point. But um, I was thinking, I thought we were supposed to go all cash every time the market corrected. Yeah. That was kind of the process that I thought. And so that was something that I learned has really helped me in the last 10 years is, you know, when the market goes into correction, I always just pick one stock that I'm just going to try to hold on to. And, you know, if it knocks what me on the box, size? it does. Yeah, I mean, it might be 10%, it might be um, 15%. Oh, wow, so that that, uh, that that big. Yeah, because I, I just get out my calculator. If I have 10% yeah. of my money in XYZ, mm -hmm. and let's just say it goes down 10%, what, what, what's the math? That's 1%, 1% right? yeah. you know? Yeah. If, if, it, if it goes down 20%, that's 2%. Now, I want to be in cushion to do that, and it's, yes. it's going to be... And I tried it this year. I, I own C Limited into the, uh, it was the last stock that I sold in, in the, uh, the crisis earlier this year. I tried, I tried to hold on to it and, and I couldn't. And it didn't bother me that, that I gave up a lot of the gains in that one name because it was the only name I had. 
but then you can always go back to it too. And that's the other thing too. So you can see I bought C limited coming out of that cup mm -hmm. and really tried to hold on to it. But then the market was just, it's just too bad. Oh, yeah. it, you know, really it, bad, yeah. you can see how, how good C limited, how, how much the institutions wanted to own that stock by the, how fast it came back. So you can always buy it back. You don't want to give up on it. And, you know, I had to buy it back at higher prices. That's irrelevant. If I sell it at 40 and I have to buy it at 50, if I think it's going to 80, do you want to buy something at 50 that you think could go to 80? Of course. Right. So, but um, I always try to keep something. And in this, this correction we've had, I, I, I've tried to keep a name and we'll see, you know, if, if I can survive through it. But um, going back 10 years, it, it really helped me in previous uh, corrections that we have had along the way. Now, uh, probably, and, and one of the things, one of the really big things I've learned, obviously, a tons since working here at MarketSmith, uh, just learning from Scott, Scott O'Neill, and, and Scott Sinclair, and, and, and plenty of others who've been, who've been doing it longer than me. Uh, when you're in a correction, the one one of the main features that that I've really grown to appreciate is that relative strength line. That is, and and we talk about the the RS line blue dot in MarketSmith when you combine pattern recognition or patterns that are appearing on on MarketSmith with a relative strength line hitting a 52 week high. But even if the pattern's not there, having that relative strength line and looking at it and seeing is it outperforming the market? That's usually going to lead you in the right direction of the true leaders in the market. I couldn't agree more. It's my favorite technical indicator because it's just the fact. It's so fact-based, you know. Mm -hmm. you, can, you can look at a stock and think of all the reasons why you think the stock could go up or all the reasons why it could go down. But the bottom line is that, that you know, the, the price is the price. Yep. And the line is telling you, whether you like it or not, that that stock is stronger than the overall market. And I always tell people, um, if you're going to buy individual stocks, you should buy stocks that have the potential to go up more than the market. <laughs> Otherwise, just yeah. buy the market. It's, yeah. it's less risky, right? Because yeah. we take on, uh, I guess they would call it idiosyncratic risk. I think I got that right. When you buy an individual <laughs> stock, look that up later, Arusha. But you have individual security <laughs> risk when you buy C Limited or, or Apple or Google. So that's why we have the stop loss. But the reason we, we buy individual stocks is, is for the upside is because if you get it right, you know, I don't know what the NASDAQ did in this move um, from C Limited went from 100, I'm sorry, from 50 to 150. Mm -hmm. I know the NASDAQ didn't do that, you know, so... And, you know, you're not going to always find them. And somewhere along the way, you're going to get tripped up. And, and, and I got knocked out of the box on the stock and I didn't capture the whole move. But um, you capture a really large portion. So, yeah, you really want to concentrate on those stocks that can go up. They, they, they have the power. Like David Ryan would say when I would go watch uh, pay for the seminars and David was teaching, one of the things that I wrote down that I'll never forget for him is he, he would say, I like to buy stocks that have doubled because they tend to double again. And so think about how many times the Apple or Amazon or even C Limited, how many doubles C Limited is that doubled. Yeah, it, it essentially doubled. Well, I mean, definitely from 30 doubled 30 to here. almost 60. Yeah, yeah but 30, from, almost 60, even though the shorter term in yeah. 2019. Yeah. 
So it, if you, you know, now you're not going to buy it at the bottom of the base, of course, but it, if, it's, if the low of the stock is 10, you know, 10 to 20 is a double, 20 to 40 is a double, 40 to 80 is a double, and 80 to almost 160 is a double. You know, and if you capture even one of those moves, it's going to move the needle on your account. So you really want to concentrate in, I think, and we all think, and it's, we, you know, we have 50 years of history at William yeah. O'Neill and company proving it with the model books and stuff of buying stocks that, that are showing strength. Yeah, yeah. So relative strength line, that's going to help uh, guide you. Stocks that are doubling, that gives you a good indication uh, that they could double again. All of these little points, that it just helps you narrow down the, uh, the list of stocks. Yeah. Uh, and Arusha, I, I want to make one quick point, of yeah. course, because I don't want people to, to yell at David. I bought XYZ, it doubled. It didn't double again. <laughs> He, he, he would wait for a base, right? Yes. So it would, if, it, if it doubled, he's not buying it just because it doubled. He's, it's on his radar if it made a big move and then he'd wait for a base, of course. So I want to make sure that- Yeah, yeah, good. yeah. And, and also David was on the podcast like three, four weeks ago and, and you could hear him talking about bases and he was talking about the relative strength line and it breaking its trend, you know, for where he had, was more concerned, was concerned about the market at that point because the number of- stocks weren't confirming their relative strength line was not confirming new highs in price and you want to see those lined up so definitely go and uh take a look at that and um so let's take a quick break here but remember be open-minded that's one thing that we both learned even more and more uh ever since working at the firm you have to, the markets are going to do can do anything and you need to, to be open-minded, let the price and volume action tell you what to do, let the relative strength line lead you in the right direction to what stocks to focus on. And of course, you always want to manage your risk, but being open-minded and maintaining that psychology that these markets can turn and there's always that potential opportunity when the markets line up and those leading stocks are breaking on a basis that's always going to lead you in the right direction. So let's take a quick break. When we return, we will talk about a few stocks to keep on your radar. Stay tuned. MarketSmith will give you a huge edge in the stock market. Better stocks, bigger profits. MarketSmith is the top research platform for IBD. It's just the best tool for individual stock selection. Everything within MarketSmith is designed to bring those best stocks to the surface. It does a lot of the work for you of filtering down to the potential leaders. It's when you take the training wheels off and you're ready to invest on a more professional level. MarketSmith will help you take control of your investment life. If you want to get serious about investing, start your membership today. We are back with Scott St. Clair on Investing with IBD, sponsored by MarketSmith. Okay, Scott, let's get into a few stocks that are hanging in there in this market and, and potentially could be building bases. Uh, the first stock is JD and, and uh, JD.com, uh, ticker symbol JD. And let me pull up uh, so we can look at the chart here. And so I pulled it up on a, a weekly chart. And uh, what do you like about this stock? So it doesn't really want to go down, right? So the NASDAQ has gone down. Um, I don't know where we sit now, but I think from high to low went down about 14% or something like that. And, you know, JD is a high octane stock mm -hmm. and it's only down 10% off its high, right? And, yep. and what we just talked about previously, it's relative strength line is very close. It's not quite at 52 week highs, 
but it's very close. And so relative to the market, this stock is as high as it's ever been. I mean, price-wise it peaked at 86, but relative to the S&P, when you look at that line, mm -hmm. it's practically new highs. You also have the convergence of the 10-week of the, the line. So the 10-week line to me is the second best way to buy stocks. If you don't get a, a base, then, uh, or if I miss a breakout on a base, I'm always looking for, okay, how can I somehow get into that name at or near the 10-week line? It's a little trickier, which is why I think it's the second best place because sometimes it doesn't get to the 10-week. Sometimes it goes through and then comes back. It'll trick you like that. So, but you've got three weeks tight. You've got the 10-week line right there and you've got the relative strength line almost at new highs. Uh, and then fundamentally, last quarter was really strong, up 52% um, and revenues up 30%. And the proprietary rankings are very good. The EPS ratings 93 and the composite ratings is best in breed 99. Yeah. So, you know, today I thought there was a good chance that, that uh, we could possibly have a fall today. So if you didn't have exposure, I already owned JD for a, um, a number of days. But I added to it today in case I wanted to get more exposure uh, on, you know, what was potentially a fall today. Yeah, I, I have some shares of JD too. Uh, I, I bought it actually out of out, the, out of the this base here, and then when the market started getting in trouble, uh, so that was around sixty dollars. So when the market started getting in trouble, that was one of the ones I caught. And then when it pulled back to the the ten week line. That's where, you know, and that, that's, you know, thanks to Charles and <laughs> Charles Harris and uh, you know, a number of other guys, you know, I've learned slowly to get better at buying pullbacks uh, or at least trying pullbacks. I don't know if I'm getting better at it, but uh, the, the three weeks tight, that, that is an, an interesting thing here. And uh, so just very briefly with, with the three weeks tight, what's happening there, we're looking at a weekly chart. And for three weeks, at least three weeks, it's closing almost exactly at the same price. And so that's, that's uh, a subtle sign of accumulation. Some, some larger fund is just slowly buying it up uh, to a certain price. So uh, both of us noticed that. Uh, so it was around 74, 74, 67. Uh, it was, was kind of the price. The week before was 74, 50, it closed that. And the week before that was 74.18. So 74 was kind of that price or keep buying it up to that point and will slowly build position. So when you see that, that can give you an indication that, yeah, you know, that there might be someone in there just slowly, slowly buying it. Uh, but yeah, it, I, I bought it uh, last week a little bit, added to it a little bit today because I thought it was going to be a fall today like you stuff. <laughs> uh, and we were both wrong. But yeah, it's not a huge position right now. Um, but uh, it's acting well, it's above the 50 day moving average, it's doing everything right. And I think the bigger thing is that it's acting normally, right? This is a normal pullback. And, and there's another concept that, that you want to get down and ask yourself, is the stock behaving normally or abnormally? And Scott, why don't you, why don't you talk about that concept too? Well, I just think it, it's kind of a, the, the move up and then a gradual move down versus a, uh, a move up and then a sharp move down would be abnormal. So that's, you know, when you have something that, that's, you know, not acting right, like if it's, go, if it's going down more than the market or, or sometimes if I have stocks that are not 
participating with the market, that will bother me a little bit. It doesn't mean they have to go up every day, but mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, you'll notice that you know, it could be that they just have kind of a, a ceiling on them. But this stock is, is respecting that 10-week line. It's kind of stair-stepping higher if you were to, you know, on that weekly or daily uh, process. And, you know, unfortunately, they all just don't go straight up. That would be too easy. But this, this the, the price action so far anyways has a kind of a natural ebb and flow, which, which is what the stocks I like to own. The stocks that are all over the board are really hard to own. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So it, it ran up like from 50 to 60 or 70, pulled back, formed some, found support off the 50-day moving average, uh, went sideways, then all of a sudden he reported earnings, was able to merge out of that, run up a bunch. Now market pulls back, it's pulling back a little bit more, still finding, didn't even touch the 50-day, uh, finding support there on the volume side, Though the volume when it's coming in, it's not huge volume. So that normal pullback, like Scott said, it's not a sharp angle and it's also not breaking key support areas. And in this case, the key support area is the 50 day moving average. It hasn't broken that in a long, long time, really since uh, May uh, or even April. Um, so, so you want to always ask yourself that that will help you stay in some of these stocks or at least keep some of these stocks on the radar. So, so that's JD.com, one that's worth looking into and considering adding to your watch list. Uh, the second stock we wanted to talk about is PayPal. And uh, PayPal is, is uh, in what, one of these newer, it's been around for a little while, but uh, it, they're doing a lot of innovative stuff. Obviously they have Venmo and more and more people are using Venmo and the cashless uh, society continues, that trend continues to get bigger and bigger. Uh, Scott, what do you like about this one? Yeah, so I find if it's a product that I use, I I can hold on to those stocks a little bit easier if they're working in my favor. Uh, So the the PayPal Venmo is like a verb, right? I'll Venmo you, right? Yes. And and, and, they do a great job. It's so easy. I Venmo my mom money when, you know, and so they just, this is a quality business. So, you know, we haven't talked much about that, but really, you know, you should be uh, fishing in the right stream with these quality businesses as well. And then you use the charts to try to time your entry. So if you had PayPal coming out of the cup, um, you, you either, you know, maybe you got knocked out of the box when it broke the 10 week line. But what I really like is it broke the 10 week line uh, two weeks ago the volume was not that big. It was a, a little bit bigger than normal, but it wasn't like a big volume uh, skyscraper. And then it, it overcame that the following week. Now, the volume wasn't quite there, but you're, right now as we sit here, it's retaking that 10-week line. It could end up being like a cup. This is possibly a, a cup formation as well. But I want exposure, you know, I'm not, it was, you know, if this day was a fall today, then I don't have that much exposure. So this was a name that I would go to um, if you don't have any exposure because it's big, it's liquid. If the market goes up, it's going to go up and, you know, you can get out of this uh, pretty easily. You don't have to worry. Well, let's hope not anyways, because I'm in it, um, you know, coming in one day and it's down, you know, 12% or something like that. So, um, but yeah, it's acting really well, I think. And I like the fact that it shook out through that 10 week line and couldn't stay down. Right. Cause, cause if you, if you just read that chart, if you were to remove those two blue bars, you'd say, Oh, PayPal, it should go down. It's breaking the 10 week. 
that's the end of the move. Uh, and so it should go lower and it couldn't, not even for one week. And so I, I like stocks that don't want to go down, right? Like we talked about. No, that's really, really good points. I do own shares of this too. Um, as it came about through the 50 day, I, I feel like Scott, you're looking at my portfolio. I was going to say that's twice. <laughs> we probably bought JD on the, when you mentioned when you bought it, I was yeah. oh, at the same time I bought it. <laughs> um, so, so, and, and you know, I, and, and uh, this is a good example. It isn't rocket science. <laughs> the, the stuff isn't rocket science. Yeah. Um, we're all looking at the same stocks. The stocks are pretty obvious. It's it in the end, and a lot of us are going to get in at the same time. Now the pullbacks, a ten-week line, that might be different, but uh, breakouts, a lot of people are going to get in the same time, especially with market Smith if you're using it uh, and and seeing these patterns and drawing it. The difference is how you manage it. Yeah. Uh, how 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 much you concentrate in them? How how much you man? How well you manage it? So in the end, everyone gets different results. Uh, but a lot of people start off at the at the same time with the same stocks. Um, so it, which yeah. is pretty funny. And so I, I can't help myself, Arusha. We're going to go uh, over, I imagine. But I have two <laughs> two things I have to comment about that. It's just so good. Um, when I first came on board, I was disappointed. Where's the secret? <laughs> I was it's true, like, yeah. Here we go. Yeah, exactly. So now I'm never going to sell a big winner too soon. I'm always going to be in Schwab and AOL. And, and I'm looking around and everybody's buying all the same stocks I was buying already. And so the performance is handling them right, managing your emotions, position size, just like you said. Yeah. And so there are no secrets. Yeah, we all the guys pretty much own all the same stocks. And that's really good news for those people out there. You don't have to come work for IBD to find all the best stocks. Um, and then secondarily, this the another story coming to when I first came to Marcus Smith was the follow through day and Chipotle story. Yes. So, uh, I, you know I what? First, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pull it up now because this yeah, is. Yeah, please. Uh, so this I first a, started in September. I might be, you know, September. That's 10 years ago. Scott. Yeah, somewhere yeah. in there. And, um, and Scott O'Neill's office was just down the hall from, you know, my cubicle, <laughs> right? He had an office and, and we sat in the, these cubicles. And another thing I'll never forget, he, Scott came out that day right there in Chipotle. It was, and he says, these are the exact words he said, we're buying Chipotle. And the key word was we are because all the portfolio managers at the time were buying Chipotle on this day because it was a fall through day and this had great earnings and sales. Look at the relative strength line, well into new high, yep. breaking out of a cup with handle. And all of the portfolio managers were all in different places. Uh, Bill was probably at home. Scott was in his office at Mark Smith. Mike and Charles were down the hall. Another portfolio manager that worked at, at home. They, they don't, they don't, get on the phone with each other and say, Oh, Hey, have you guys seen Chipotle? Let's go buy Chipotle. Uh, they just all saw it at the same time. So there wasn't any secret. It was just boom. It's there. The markets in, uh, in an uptrend that day was a fall through day on the market. And so they all had Chipotle and then now it became position sizing and who was able to ride it the longest would, 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 you know, kind of separate the performance amongst other stocks, of course. But yeah, yeah that, it's so true. There, there just aren't any secrets on these great winners. And and, and uh, I, September first, twenty ten is such a great Chipotle is such a great example, and also the fall through day to to look at that one. If you if you go to the Nasdaq, 
and you can, you know, obviously switch this on with marks, but go back and see how these things look. And, and the price and volume actually is the most important part of, of kind of these change date, you know, looking and understanding this stuff. But you have the falter day here, and, and I think it might be up in the webinar still when we talk about falter days and stuff like that. Uh, where we kind of walk through day by day, but there, there's so much to learn about uh, this example. But that Chipotle, because I bought it on that day too, and 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 uh, I went in smaller that day. Uh, so I had shares, I bought it, and this was the one stock. And Scott, <laughs> but this is probably before we were even going to lunch together. But uh, I was, I you know, I, I I loved Chipotle at that point, and I was I was going to Chipotle all the time. Uh, probably a few months later, we were going to Chipotle every day. Yeah, uh, we were banging down the door, right? We were always there at <laughs> that's 1030. Right. We had come right and they went they open. open, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, let us in. Uh, but uh, the reason why I didn't get a full position in Chipotle back then is because I was trying to buy it as it was building a base. And I was getting whipped around, whipped around. And I got stopped out multiple times, you know, at that 141.01. That was probably me selling it right at that point. Uh, and I was just getting stopped out that it messed up my psychology. And so I was impatient. I kept trying it, trying it. And so then when it finally went, I was like, okay, let me just buy some shares. But I was already kind of shell-shocked and thinking that all oh, this is, uh, this was, it, it looked almost too good. I thought that was the one negative. Because <laughs> really this is like the perfect, perfect couple setup. of handle, yeah. the perfect example on the fall today. But I was like, this is too good. And it worked tremendously well. Because if I, if I jump out to... December 1st, you can see it, it, it just worked amazingly well. And not shockingly, we find out later who has the biggest position the biggest in it, position, Bill yeah. O'Neill, right? Yeah. And, and, and when, you know, when people asked him about it, he, 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 he just kept it really simple. It's like, you know, I, I went there and checked out this wonderful Mexican restaurant and there's a line out the door. I pulled the chart and kept it on my watches and finally when it broke out, I put my big position in and, uh, you know, just kept doing, following my rules. That's why we went there at 1030, Arusha, when they first opened, because remember, if we got there at yeah. 11, it was, it was, it was a disaster. For lunch, right? Yeah. And it was like yeah. 10 minutes away. Yeah. So, you know, 10 minutes there, 10 minutes back and, you know, and we're just rushing. So we, we couldn't go if there was a line. Ding, ding, ding. It's a big line, huge demand for their product. Stocks breaking out of the base, right? Yeah, and we were all there at the same time. But that's, you know, so, so those of you who are listening on this podcast, which is, uh, yeah, uh, you know, going to go over time, obviously. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> everyone who's listening on the podcast, you know, it's very, you'll get that buying part down pretty quickly. It may take you a year to sort of really get, not even that. Uh, probably that 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 long these days but you'll get that those concepts down quickly the managing the position uh, uh concentrating getting the right position size and having the patience to let them work that's kind of a lifetime <laughs> kind of thing because i'm getting slowly better at it but part. still i screwed up yeah yeah i mean i think it's van tharp who's a, a, psycholo a psychologist on trading says that everyone spends all their time on entries and none of their time on exits, right? And managing the position and exits is the most important part. Yeah, no. And, and so when, you, when, you, when everyone has time, go back, study those examples, then study how Chipotle acted 
afterwards and there's and look on the weekly chart bill always would look mainly on weekly charts there's there's just so much to learn there of how these great stocks behave in great markets when the markets come around when these stocks break out uh and then how they behave they just keep crawling 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 out there's just so much there and you'll be that much better prepared the next time the markets come around and then you see a great stock breaking out and you'll be there and, you, and you'll just keep getting better and better at handling those stocks. And so in the end, it really is just practice and just repetition over and over again. Like just like anything else. Mm -hmm. uh, let's go to one Do more stock. skip the last one for brevity or are we yeah, going to keep why not? Oh, no, no. We're, we're, already, we're already gone past the point of no return. So <laughs> uh, let's, let's go to one more stock. And uh, this is Snow. It's a, a new uh example a uh, new ipo and uh scott yeah what, what do you like about this so it's very volatile as you can see and it's i just it's building this ipo base but um i i'm watching this stock for just kind of the what i would term animal spirits of the market because hmm. this is a you know really hot ipo priced at 120 you know practically opened at 300 and then it sold off but, you know, there's a lot of you know, Warren Buffett's team has a position and, and there's a couple other hedge funds and they're they're not making any money earnings wise, but their their revenue and their net revenue retention rates are like, you know, off the charts. So I watch it. Well, I own it, too, because I couldn't help myself. I, I bought it on kind of like a Jesse Livermore undercut. And that's a, a whole nother podcast. But it's a very small position. Um just in case it gets going, but it's very volatile. As you can see today, I, we, I think we did the math. It, it was 12.5% off its high <laughs> today. Um, but it's, you know, the street will tell you and all the metrics will tell you, and you hear this a lot on the great winners, it's overvalued, right? And so if it's truly overvalued, then it should go down because <laughs> the market's a voting machine. They'll vote with their money. So I'm watching this also uh, to just see if the market is the strength of the market for names like this, if it uh, is very important to me, because it just kind of tells that animal spirit are, are investors or institutions willing to put risk on because this is a kind of a risk on stock. And so as long as it holds up and acts well and, 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 and does that, then I think it, it gives me kind of a little clue for the overall market environment. Yeah, and and I actually bought a, <laughs> some shares of this yesterday. Very small amount, but for that same kind of reason, just like, okay, is this IPO going to work? Uh, and I was telling Scott before we started recording this, I I, I had st uh, some stop, a stop for half the shares, and it was so far down. And I got stopped, <laughs> stopped out of it. as shocked. far as you thought, right? <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait, wait, how is Snowflake all the way back down there? So that's a problem. I generally don't uh, uh, play with IPOs too much because I can't handle the volatility. But I, this is just kind of part of the learning process. So I'll, I'll just try a little bit just to get an idea because it does give you uh, a, a good insight on the speculation. Yeah, and what you mentioned, last but not least, Arusha, you mentioned uh, Chipotle, how it kind of wore you out because you kept trying to buy it in the base, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to be careful about this. It's nice to say it tells a great story. Oh, I bought snow at, at, at 2.30, you know. But if, it's, um, if it wears me out, wears me out, and wears me out, and then when it finally breaks out at, let's say, you know, 300 or something down the road, if I'm just like, oh, this isn't going to work like Chipotle, then I'm not there for the, 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 the really sweet spot of the move. So it's, you have to be 
you have to understand what you're doing a little bit when, when you buy something in, in, inside a base or a little bit differently, um, you know, uh, on how you're, you know, that you might have to, to hold it a little bit longer. And then, again, the position size is going to be so key, especially for something like this. Yeah. The, I mean, the, the, this kind of entry is really not following the rules at all. Yeah. It's um, a little different. For sure. Yeah. This is, yeah. So this is more just trying to get the feel for, for the market. So for most people, especially for newer people, you, you don't want to be playing in IPOs that just much. Wait anyways. for the base. Yeah. Yeah. But, and yeah. So, so I, I would say start out with larger stocks first, get comfortable with that. Then you have to get more and more comfortable, especially managing your risk. Then you can start playing uh, with some IPOs and things like that because the, they are super volatile uh, to both sides. So in the end, it is that risk management. So there are a few stocks that you wanna keep an eye on. And of course, remember, go back, study some of these other great stocks of the past. It'll prepare you uh, for, for future great stocks. Uh, so Scott, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, it's always a pleasure. Next week, we will have Ross Haber on the show. Ross is the head trader of TraderLine.com and also a former portfolio manager for Bill O'Neill. So that's it for this week on Investing with IBD. I'm Arusha Paris, and thanks for listening. And for this week's Nilton Charts, make sure to go to Investors.com slash podcast, where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.